Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. We're back with our first expansion team. How exciting is this? I am joined by Liam and Mel. Uh, I'm your host, Jono, and today we are talking about the Essendon Bombers. Liam's a bit excited. G'day, everybody. I am super keen today as a diehard bomb supporter. I think this is going to be the best episode we've had by far and away, and we haven't even started it yet. Yeah, Matt, you've been talking about the Bombers nonstop ever since we've started these team overviews. I, I think there's a lot of fantasy relevance coming in here. It's going to be a lot of fun talking through. We know that the Bombers have only just started this season. This is their first season in the AFLW. I'm going to throw to you, Liam, to just give a little bit of an overview. It's going to be a little bit shorter perhaps than the other ones, but tell us a little bit about what we do know about the Bombers. So what we do know about the Bombers is they've borrowed heavily from their VFLW side. They've had 10 players join their AFLW side who previously played in their VFLW side. And then they've also had at least two other players from their VFLW team join other AFLW lists. They were by far and away the most dominant AFLW side last season, and they won a grand final against the Southern States pretty comprehensively, and they did not lose a game for the entire year. In terms of what they're going to look like as a team, I don't necessarily think they're going to be defined by a certain game style, but I would say that they have invested heavily in their midfield and in their forward line. And if you look at what they did at the the VFLW level, they were an incredibly good stoppage team. And they also had two goal scorers in the top five leading goal kickers for the VFLW. So they're going to be a very high scoring team, I would anticipate, or at least high scoring for an expansion club. Yeah, you're not wrong about that clearance rate. The, some of the stats that you can pull out of the VFLW were just enormous, the amount that they were getting the ball out and, and into their 50 very quickly. There wasn't even a, a team that was close to being as high scoring as they were last season. You had the, the Hawks and the Saints were up there, but the, the scoring rates just weren't, weren't comparable. Yeah, look, what they did as a VFLW squad in terms of the number of points they scored last year, last year they scored nearly as many points as their previous two seasons combined. So there was a really big shift. And they also had brought in a lot of players from AFLW list, essentially as like pre-agents, as in players that would almost certainly make on the AFLW list, get them in the program for an additional year, get them playing games. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they line up coming into this season. But I also think they could be, of the expansion clubs, best place to do well. One of those players that they took from their VFLW side and put straight into their AFLW team was Amelia Radford. Funny you should mention Amelia. We may have had a chat with her previously. Yeah, I'm excited that you guys did manage to catch up with her because it's so hard to know with an expansion side who's going to play where. She, coming from that VFLW side, has probably the best knowledge about how the Bombers are going to line up based on how they played in the previous seasons. It was quite early on that we spoke with her, so... You know, the team is still, you know, meeting each other for the first time and trying to establish those relationships and figure out where they're going to play. So a little bit of that is going to be slow to start with, but I think the insights that she had on the VFLW team were phenomenal. Yeah, it is unfortunate. We we caught her really early on when she just kind of joined the AFLW squad. So we are hoping to have another chat with her a little bit later now that she's met the girls a few times and played together. Because she also wasn't in the VFLW for that long. But let's have a chat. Uh, 
Um, yes, yeah, so I can give you a bit of context on my journey to the AFLW. It's probably a very unique one in that I actually only started playing football in last year. My first game was in May down at my local footy club, Mooney Valley. Went down there because my dad's always been involved in the football club and a, a heap of friends were playing down there and they were nagging me and on my back to get involved. So yeah, went down to Mooney Valley, played seven games for the season because COVID obviously interrupted our season, but was lucky enough to have Dean Rioli as one of our assistant coaches. Obviously his connection to Essendon was a good one. Um, got invited to join the VFL training at the back of, towards the end of last year. And then from then on played every game through the VFL, VFL season. So yeah, a very short football career. Um, <laughs> it's definitely been a roller coaster, and everything's come about very quickly. So, if you started playing at Mooney Valley, does that mean that you grew up locally and was a Bomber supporter? So, I grew up locally um, in Mooney Ponds, but was um, I, I'm actually a Sydney Swans supporter. Um, so, through the the generations of our family. Uh-huh. Amazing to hear that you've kind of come along so quickly. Has it been a bit of a whirlwind? Yeah, I think um, after the draft night last week, the next day, I think it kind of all hit home to think about how quickly it's come along. I like when I started playing footy, I was just doing it for fun with friends. And then when I got down to Essendon, I remember having the first um, meeting with my coach and I was like, you know, my goal is just to get through the first few weeks of preseason because everything was so new. They record every training session. We have GPSs. There's a massive support team, heaps of coaches. It's all a bit overwhelming. And then, you know, my goal was to play at least one game. And then that quickly became playing every game. And then, as you know, we won the grand final. And, yeah, it was like a, an awesome first season. And then the draft experience was, like, unreal. They always say, like, getting drafted is a moment you'll remember forever. And I think it was because it's so stressful. <laughs> yeah, I got picked up quite late. Um, so I was sitting around waiting for my name to be called out. Um, and then when it finally happened, it was like a, a wave of relief. You've got to keep moving the goalposts because you just keep, like, smashing through all those goals. So what's the new goalpost? The new goalpost now, um, I was actually talking to Dad the other night and I was like, I just need to trust my um, ability, um, play with confidence and just like my goal is to at least play a game of AFLW this season. Don't want to set goals that are too ambitious because it's just it's a new level. It's a new challenge. I'm just excited for the opportunity. To be honest, I never thought I'd be in this position. So <laughs> very exciting. Was, was there any vibes that were slightly different or was the team feeling slightly different when a lot of people knew that AFLW was coming next year and this was their chance to kind of make an impression to get picked for the AFLW side? Obviously, Essendon um, invests a lot in their women's football program and their goal was to essentially run a VFLW program that mirrored an AFLW program. So, you know, we were training the extra nights, we were doing the extra meetings, watching all the vision, had the additional support staff um, so that it made it easier for that transition, knowing that like a core group of girls would eventually probably transition across into the AFLW. I think there were 10 in the end that got listed from VFL to AFL. Um, So definitely, yeah, it was like a step up, I would assume, from previous seasons and from other clubs. That's really, really interesting to hear because that was kind of reading about what Essendon had done at a VFLW level and the amount of investment gone in. It's interesting to hear that the words that were being said publicly appear to have kind of carried across into the way the club was run. Just on the back of that as well, like obviously um, Brendan Major, our coach, he'd been in the program for five years And he was like a key fundamental reason why the program has been so successful and was definitely a strong advocate for for women's football and for making the Essendon VFL program as good as possible. 
the program itself, you said, has produced at least 10. Yeah, so the 10, there's 10 of us transitioning into the Essendon AFLW. And then, yeah, just recently, the other day, Sim got announced um, as a sign-in for the Saints. I don't think you could wipe the smile off our faces. We were all so, so happy to hear that. She was like, obviously, a great leader for us, but also, you know, her hard work has definitely paid off because I think she's been playing in the VFL for a few years now. Really impressive. And so as much as you've only just started training after VFLW Premiership, how do you feel like it's going to be going directly from kind of training at essentially an AFLW level, at least in the amount of hours you're putting in, very little break straight into a pre-season for an AFLW? Is that going to be something where the club's going to have to manage your training load to make sure you're not overworked? Is that something that's been discussed? We Last week we had a bit of a lighter week um, for the VFL girls just because we'd come off the back of the uh, the grand final the week before. But as as of this week, it's like, yeah, all systems go full load, training to 100%. And I guess it's because we don't really have the the luxury of time. Um, the season starts in seven weeks. We're a new squad. We've got to get to know how all of us play um, and connect as a team. So, yeah, that's um, the main reason why it's been a quick turnaround from VFL straight into the AFL. I know that you may not have got to interact with all of the AFLW teammates yet, but in terms of the the players that you played with at a VFLW level, I know that a, a bunch of them have had previous AFLW experience. Now it's gone Alana Barber, at least in your kind of midfield group. If you were to, you know, talk to someone that will be like a, a really cool, calm and collected like leader amongst from that group, which which player do you think would be most likely? Obviously, Georgia Nanscorn led our VFL team um, and she's just a natural leader. She may not be necessarily the loudest one in the group, but the way she goes about it, she leads both on and off the field. Very disappointing that she won't be out on the ground this season with her injury. But yeah, she's definitely a natural leader and someone all of us look up to, especially with her um, Olympics background. Clearly a, not a very high achiever. <laughs> First ever club signing. every box. <laughs> literally, literally every single box. And then also, I mentioned her name before, but Alana Barber is going an even more extreme level than yourself back-to-back seasons. It's back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Has she spoken much to you about her experience in the Gold Coast squad and how that might inform this season? Barb's has obviously had like a, a massive few years and yeah, like you said, back to back from VFL to AFL, back to our VFL and now into the AFL. She went up to the Gold Coast and took her opportunity um, that presented in front of her and played a few games. And since coming back to our VFL team, she's definitely brought that AFL level or standard to training. She's just a hard worker and like just goes, 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 but also like brings a really good energy to the group. And I think that shows in the way that she plays on the field. She's like super attacking breaks through the midfield and gets those inside 50s. She's definitely someone that in in watching VFLW this year and then a couple of games last year, just looks like she's someone that wants to exit out the front of the stoppage and just a bit of of an inside bull. And it'll be interesting to see if uh, she can take on some of the talents of uh, Madison Presparkas, who is very much cut from the same cloth. We had obviously had our first training session on Saturday and watching the way Maddie moves and kicks the ball. She's just a natural footballer. It's quite amazing to see the way she plays. And I think a lot of us VFL girls coming up will learn a lot from her in that in that midfield group. It's going to be uh, really interesting to watch. And then kind of one final name to potentially talk about is the, I believe, the leading goal kicker from the VFLW last year in Frederica Fru. What's she like to kind of be around? And do you anticipate that she's going to lead the forward group or is it going to be, you know, a one-two tandem with her and Bonnie Toogood? Fetty, um, again, 
is just similar to like Maddie in the way she plays, just a natural footballer. I think her and Bonnie working down forward together will kind of be un- unstoppable. They'll um, complement each other well um, and, you know, take on those hard defenders that they'll come against. But, yeah, Fetty, um, definitely a natural footballer and some of the goals she's kicked have been absolutely unreal. Um, <laughs> she kind of stole that third quarter and put the game away in the grand final. Yeah, she did. I heard the commentator saying, you know, leading goal kicker hasn't touched the ball, all that stuff, and then she just completely showed them up Thank in that you. second half, kicking those goals and um, stealing the game away for us. But, yeah, she had an incredible season winning the goal scoring, and I think she won by quite a bit in the end. Quite a margin, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she kicks them from everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she might follow a similar path to another player that we kind of followed last year. It's a mature age recruit from the VFLW in Tara Bohana, who came from the Southern Saints, who kind of came in as a more mature age player and then proceeded to be a top five goal scorer. So it'll be interesting to see if she can kind of follow the same trajectory because all things considered, the amount of goals and the way she was kicking them this year, you know, things look on on the up and up. Yeah, and Fetty had a pretty strong background in soccer. I think she she played some pretty high-level soccer throughout her career, so naturally finds a ball and boot them from everything. I think her goal in the grand final was from 50 out. <laughs> You're not half bad. I wouldn't want to be um, the defenders going up against Bonnie Toogood and Fetty. Well, that's all we've got for questions from you for the time being. We won't overload you with all of your teammates just yet, given you've only had one training, but thanks so much for your time. No, no problems. Yeah, I didn't even know AFLW had a fantasy league, so there we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it only started this year, so uh, I mean... <laughs> started, yeah, started in Season 6, and this will be Season 2 yep. of it. Go the Bombers. Thank awesome. you. See ya. That was an awesome interview there, and it's uh, really cool how we managed to get this one as well. She has essentially the equivalent job as I do uh, over at Uber. Sometimes you think, oh, our job is hard. These awesome ladies are working full-time and then going and doing a whole nother, another sidekick. It's just amazing. I am very excited to turn our focus to what we've just learnt and, and start talking about some of these SNM players that are going to be on our watch list because with an expansion side coming in, so many rookies, but with the Bombers, so many of the best players in the league as well. They've really drafted well and brought in some amazing talent from other teams. So Let's jump in and have a chat. We're going to change it up this time and we might start with the midfield. And we want to do this because the Bombers basically started their recruiting process focusing on their midfield and they've brought in some of the best players in the comp there. So Liam, I might throw to you, do you want to just run us through how we expect the Bombers to line up in round one? So starting on either wings, Steph Kane and Kat Phillips and potentially Georgia G will be running around on the wings. They're all previous AFLW players, so that's some really good experience there. And then running through the midfield, they're going to be led on that line by former AFLW best and fairest, Matty Presbarkis, elite midfielder and a young gun. And then from there, unfortunately, we're in the situation where the player that we most expected to be playing through there in Georgia Nanscorn, uh, who was the Bombers' first ever recruit and has played at the AFLW level previously, but also the most dominant VFLW player by a large margin, unfortunately did her ACL in the fourth quarter of the VFLW grand final. So unfortunately, she's not going to be there, but as a result, that's created some new opportunity. And so we anticipate that Alana Barber will also be running through the midfield. And then we also reckon that Amelia Radford could definitely get a chance in round one as a midfielder. Yeah, I'm very excited. So that's, that sounds like a phenomenal lineup and probably the, the most experienced of any of the expansion sides. So we'll talk through those ones a little bit later. But if we start off with Maddie Prasparkas, 
the ability to have a best and fairest winner starting in your midfield and expansion side, that's got to give you a lot of confidence that they're not going to be blown out of the water in the, the first season like a lot of expansion sides are. They might actually be winning a lot of contested ball in there. Yeah, and I think that was one thing that Amelia did mention was just watching Maddie at training. She just moves a little bit differently to everyone else. And then you've, I've read some interviews that Mimi Hill has done about playing with Maddie Presparkas, and it just sounds like trying to win a contested ball against her is a bloody impossibility. She is going to be a rock in the middle of that defence. Now, in terms of her fantasy relevance, it's a real unknown. She's someone who's an elite player, but probably is going to be elite and fully priced. I just don't anticipate that there's going to be the ability to, to have that 10, 15 point upside that you want when you're trying to pick your mids to start your season. But as an upgrade target, I anticipate that she's going to get the lion's share of the ball, lion's share of the contested ball, tackles, et cetera. One to watch. Yeah, I believe she was like the, the top end of the mid-price madness in season six. So not one that any of us really brought into our teams because she was great, but just a bit too expensive uh, in comparison to some other kind of options there. But like we've seen with some of the strategies around fantasy and the expansion clubs, she could be one of those people that benefits a lot from a new team and being a big dog at, at this new team and really getting the space to run around and get extra points. So yeah, it will be really interesting to see if she can move up into that kind of elite bracket. But until I've seen a bit of that, probably not one on my fantasy radar. I think it's pretty interesting that she's coming from a team that had kind of already been stripped away a little bit. Carlton had lost a lot of players to other clubs through their midfield. And to be honest, she was playing with not a huge amount of support in there. I think once Mimi Hill came in in the back half of last season, it definitely helped her out there. But it was really just her and Georgia G doing a lot of the work in the midfield last season anyway. So I, I think on that front, it's kind of going to be the same. I think that the one player that sits in the same bracket as Maddie Presparkas is Bon Conti, an elite player who if they play a very different game style, but they also just appear to move at a different pace and in a different way to a lot of other midfielders, which is why they look so good and they are a highly impactful player. But as a big fish in a small pond, one of the big advantages that you want as a fantasy midfielder is the ability to have you know, a sidecar, to be able to use them to get lots of cheap hand passes, lots of kickbacks and forwards, and someone else who can match your speed and movement to be able to maximize your score. It's possible that that will happen at the Bombers, but I think that with Georgia Nanskorn going down, she probably lost her best lieutenant who would have been there to help pump up her score as well. Saying all of this, she's someone that's averaged 80 in her second season in the AFLW. And she averaged 70 last year. There is still some room to grow. She could probably get back up to those 80 heights from her second year and when she won the Best and Fairest Award. But as a starting player, I don't think someone who's only got 10 points upside in an expansion side is where you want to be looking round one. She's definitely a high-impact player, and that's going to be one that other teams are going to be focusing on. So it does seem a high-risk play, but... Very exciting to watch coming into this season. Speaking of round one, someone that I did have in my team round one of season six, and I've actually gone back and found a snip of where I was raving about this player uh, at the start of season six, is Alana Barber. So she actually did play two games in season six. Round one and round nine, I believe, for the Gold Coast and then got dropped and has been picked up by the Bombers. The reason I was looking at her at the start of last season is because her VFLW scores are outstanding some super high ceilings really exciting stuff to see there 
And like that was just looking at a 2021 game. Going into 2022, she finished on a 120. That's huge. So hopefully she's not too exhausted coming in to the AFLW. But she didn't last very long in my team in season six because she didn't play again for a while. But probably back on my radar for season seven. I'm really keen on having Alana Barber in my round one side, potentially as an M3, because I'm thinking I'm probably going to be rolling with three rookie defenders in my midfield, which means someone like Alana Barber, who's going to come in completely rookie priced, but who plays a really good fantasy game. Now, she didn't unfortunately get those inside minutes that we would have really liked at the Gold Coast Suns, which I jumped on that same bandwagon with you, Mel, and picked up Alana Barber. But unfortunately, she just wasn't playing midfield roles, playing half forward and really didn't look like that role suited her. It seems like, particularly in the back end of the VFLW season last year, she was inserted back into that midfield once Federica Fru, who we're going to chat about later, transitioned to a full-time forward. I think she's going to be a highly fantasy-relevant player. Now, I don't think she's going to become like an elite 60 to 70 point scorer straight away, but she's going to be bargain price. And I reckon a 50 average is a target, a legitimate target that she can hit. And as a result is someone that I'm looking to bring in. It's always nerve wracking with that player who's been at the level before, but hasn't necessarily translated from the state leagues up to the national level. It just has me, I mean, you do want the role. So the fact that she definitely wasn't getting it at the Gold Coast, she was behind some, some very strong midfielders there. You're not getting a game ahead of Charlie Robottom, for example. But when you're looking at coming into this Essendon side, is she going to get that same contested game style playing in that midfield? Or is she going to be a little bit on the outer with players like maybe Radford or Zanchetta ahead of her? I get all of your trepidation, but she's going to be a bargain price player who can have 18 tackles in a game. Yeah, no, that is a, that is a very good amount of It's tackles. absurd, right? Yeah, it's actually yeah. outrageous that someone can have 18 tackles in a game. And that, that that's almost record for like single game in an AFLW. That's that's how that is. Yeah. yeah and like, even if she only gets like half or three quarters of those in an AFLW game, that's still huge. Nine tackles a game would be great. That anchors a 60 and that's a great score from a rookie. Like she's just, it's always going to be informed by what she looks like in the preseason and in any scratch matches. But if she's starting and playing as a full-time mid, which we know that she can do, I reckon she's a really good player to bring in. How about Amelia Radford herself? Because she's got some pretty impressive numbers coming out of the VFLW as well. Yeah, Amelia Radford is going to be another interesting player, not just because we've had her on to chat, but again, she's coming in as a mature age recruit from the VFLW side. She still did get drafted. And she averaged 80 last year in the VFLW. So clearly has a fantasy game to her. And just watching a couple of the Bombers games, she had an ability to move through the stoppage in a really mature fashion. And I know that sounds a bit ridiculous, but uh, the ability to kind of sift through, see where players are moving, having come from another sport at a quite a decent level in soccer, you can kind of tell that she knows where players are going to move as a result and is a very natural midfielder. The question becomes, do you pick the more mature player in Amelia Radford, who's played maybe less AFL, but has clearly shown enough to get drafted? Or do you pick Alana Barber, who saw very little of last year, but has played another season already at an AFLW level and is probably more likely to get midfield minutes as a result? Would you say she's played another season? Because she only played two games. As in she spent a season in the program, I'd say. It's more like she's yeah. been around the SNC at, a, at an AFLW level, notwithstanding yeah. the fact that Amelia did say that the Bombers VFLW side was effectively treating it like it was side. an AFLW side, like they were going to the extra effort. 
I do like the idea that, you know, if Nan Scarwin goes down, you need someone, I suppose, to take that prime mover role. And obviously, Maddie Prasparkas is going to be the gun there. But I can very much see Prasparkas, Radford, and Barber being the starting midfield. If Barber's the one getting the ball in there, then she's probably a handball happy kind of player is what I see of her. And if she's getting the ball out to Amelia Radford, Radford's also, she's taken a few marks. I think I saw in the VFLW numbers. She has a really good fantasy relevant game and was remarkably consistent for someone who has not played any other season at the VFLW level. Basically came in having played one season in the EDFL, which is not, not even like the, set, the, the third highest level of footy. It's one level below that. She basically hit 80s in every single game in the season or near 80. She finished the season with a run of 79, 77, 78, 78 and averaged 20 possessions per game. The one thing that I'd have a bit of trepidation about is she doesn't have those same tackle numbers. And as we've seen from an AFLW level, but then also in the AFLM, the key thing that you want from your rookie price players, particularly in the midfield, are a lot of tackles to help anchor a good score. You don't need to have that many possessions. Even if you're handball happy, if you're an inside player who gets tackles, that's more than enough to get you to that 50-point pass mark. That's what I would want to see. And so that's why I'm probably leaning more towards Barber over Radford. Radford is incredibly consistent, though. Like, oh, it's, one it's of the most remarkable. consistent kind of scores we've seen. Well, I think we've got a little bit of a decision to make there between the rookies in the midfield. I'm keen to talk about the wingers because I think Steph Kane last year had a fantastic season at Frio. And you can say the same, I suppose, of Georgia D at Carlton. I think they were both really instrumental in trying to move the ball out of that back line in their respective teams and up the field. I very much hope that they come into the comp and can hold their own from day one. But we know looking at other expansion sides that have come in at the ball is probably going to be spending a bit of time in the back line. If you're finding these players that I suppose are instrumental in transitioning the ball out of that back line, that could be a really good way to improve their fantasy scoring. Someone like Steph Kane and then also Georgia G, they average almost the same for last year. They both average 55. Unfortunately though, I think that's kind of the maximum you can expect from wings for players that I don't anticipate will be getting CBAs. That And then additionally, Kat Phillips as well, who's had a fantasy relevant game in the past where she's averaged 67 as a winger. The three of them will anchor a really, really sound midfield for the Dons, particularly on the wings. Now, from a fantasy perspective, though, I just don't think they fit that value profile that we need where they're just going to spend a little bit too much time on the outside to the point where I don't think there's much price upside. They have great seasons last year, but I just don't see them really capitalizing going further ahead this year. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. Just looking at it purely from a numbers point of view. I mean, Steph Kane has had a few more years of experience uh, in the AFLW and probably a more consistent scoring and higher peaks. But even then, her, her really high scores have been made up by a ridiculously large number of, of tackles, which is kind of looks like a bit of an outlier here. So probably not. Yeah, fair enough. Just people that I'm going to enjoy watching play. Oh, I mean, <laughs> exactly. absolutely. When when the Hawks are dominating Essendon in round one, ball's going to be in the back line a lot at the Bombers. And let, let's talk oh, about who's this, going to be down there. That's the transition, transition I'm going to go with here. Oh, <laughs> that is a... Oh, I hate it so much. But yes, well done. <laughs> yeah. Look, we know that the AFLW fantasy side of things, you want your key defender posts to be your fantasy relevant players. And I think the Bombers have done some excellent recruiting here. Liam, do you want to w- walk us through how we expect the Bombers' backline to form up? 
they're going to be anchored by the key position players of uh, Sophie Alexander, who's come across as a near permanent forward at Collingwood, Elise Gamble, and then also potentially Danielle Marshall, all of whom have AFLW experience. Elise Gamble came from uh, Western Bulldogs. And then as half forwards and the smaller players, they're going to have Sophie Vanderheuvel comes across from Geelong as a speedy and very good user of the football as a halfback. She's really going to be integral to the Bombers doing well this year. And then they've also picked up Mia Bush as a rookie who, from what limited amount that we've seen from the Bombers, looks like she could be playing as a fullback and taking kick-ins. So just a little note there. And then they've also got Eloise Ashley Cooper, who was the 2021 VFLW best and fairest and has a really good fantasy-relevant game another rookie price player who's going to be one to watch. Yeah, there's a few players back there that they could run through there. I think the one that stands out to me the most is probably Eloise Ashley Cooper, the one you've ended on there. Having that 2021 Best and Fairest Award, she's definitely got some some class. And as a key post defender, she could be playing an intercept role back there. Someone who's priced at that you know basement rookie price coming in and is going to be clunking a lot of marks. We could see an average of 50 potentially, and that'd be huge. It, it would be really big. I think the only caveat to that is someone like Sophie Alexander, who's nearly 180 centimetres tall and comes from a basketball background, would probably be the one that if I was coaching the Bombers, I would want them to be playing that interceptor role. She's a very, very good mark and clearly knows about the running patterns that come with being a forward. So I think that that might be a small handbrake on Eloise Ashley Cooper's scoring. But in terms of what she can do from a fantasy perspective, pretty consistently in that 70 range as an AFL, a VFLW player, which means that if she's playing round one, I know that this is actually a little bit ridiculous, but there are a good like five or six bombers you could quite reasonably start with in your round one side. And Eloise Ashley Cooper slash Mia Bush are both potential options. So we knew that there would be a lot of uh, rookie prize talent coming in in the expansion clubs, but there's just so many options with the Bombers, which is very exciting to see. The one that I would probably pick in that back line would be Danielle Marshall, although she has played a couple of AFLW games before because she took a couple of years off in between and went back to VFLW. The way that pricing's likely to work with the discount um, means she'll be essentially rookie priced. She didn't have that greater scores in the AFLW, but just looking at her last two years in the VFLW, got a really high ceiling up there. Looks pretty good. This is another one of those, wait and see how she goes in the preseason. Any number of the Bombers defenders could be the intercept defender. If it's Danielle Marshall, we've seen she has a ceiling of nearly 100 in the VFLW, even if she's only averaged about 30, 35. They do have a lot of players which would play that intercept role. So really, who knows? Yeah. From the sounds of it, it sounds like you've got the more experienced Alexander and Gamble who are potentials to be doing it, or you've got the, the VFLW experienced players in Cooper and Marshall. So who knows what they're necessarily going to be doing there. And then don't forget that we know that Mia Bush is taking kick-ins, and that's something that is not a stat that's very easy to get in it at an AFLW level, but we know that those cheap plus threes, particularly in a side that... The Bombers, in terms of their defense, are probably where they have the least experience. You know, it's quite possible they will concede some large scores. If you've got a defender taking kick-ins, that's an easy plus 12, plus 15 points per game. That could be a massive thing for a rookie price player in, in Bushy. I'm always hesitant with your smaller defenders because they don't seem to get as much of the ball. But 
kickouts in a team that might be getting big scores against them feels like a pretty reliable way of, of racking up your scoring. So I'm pretty tempted. Well, I think we can transition up to the other end of the ground here because I think forward lines are always one in an expansion side. It's a lot harder to get that consistent scoring. So this might be a place we put our dampener on, but who knows? Let's, let's see if we can keep our, our fantasy relevance rolling along. The big name that they've brought into their forward line is Bonnie Toogood, who is an absolute jet. I think she kicked 10 goals last season from the Western Bulldogs, made the All-Australian squad as well. She's definitely going to anchor that forward line with a few players building around her. Who else is going to be up there in the forward line with her? Yeah, so in our predicted best 21, as forwards, we're anticipating that it will be key position players, uh, Bonnie Toogood and Jess Wushner. And then as medium-sized forwards, we've got Amber Clark, who was the Bombers' first ever draft pick, an extremely fast mid-forward. And then on the other half-forward flank, we're anticipating Georgia G. I know that we talked about her in the midfield, but we're really not 100% certain who's going to be rotating through that half-forward wing role. And then finally, they're going to have the pocket rocket Federica Fru, leading goal scorer in the VFLW last season after having transitioned from a midfield role in the season prior. A lot of the Bombers uh, who we anticipate being in the best 21, but maybe they might start on the bench. We've got Jackie Vott, Daria Bannister, Jordan Zanchetta, all who've played at an AFLW level before. Daria Bannister looked excellent for North Melbourne last season. Jackie Vott is a massive key position player from St Kilda. And then Jordan Zanchetta has played, again, a bit of a mid-forward role, but they've all got AFLW experience. So again, we're going into another line for the Dons, which is anchored by some really excellent experience at an AFLW level. This is this is another very fantasy relevant line. I can't believe how relevant these Dons are going to be. They've really gone that top end, bottom end. Like they're, they're either fully priced or they're rookies. And the ones well, who are fully priced are just phenomenal players. Find many better forwards than Bonnie Toogood and Josh Wushner. They're very experienced and very talented players. But these rookies coming through, they've got such good numbers behind them. I think the the rookie price player that I'm most excited by is Federica Fruit. I can't necessarily think of comparison for her at an AFLW level, but allow me the one comparison that I'm going to try and make to an AFLW AFLM player, and that's Jake Stringer, mercurial mid-sized forward who can roll through the midfield and kicks bags of goals. And she in the VFLW Grand Final took a game that was pretty close. She came through and kicked two goals in that in that third quarter and basically just put the game to bed. She's going to come in rookie priced. She kicked, I think, 32 goals last season at a VFLW level. Even if she can get half of that, we've seen what players who can kick lots of goals at a VFLW level can do, given that we had someone like Tara Bahana last year. I see a very similar trajectory for Fetty Fru, and therefore I'm thinking that she was probably going to be my F5 She's probably going to come in at F5. You've got to be watching her in the preseason because I anticipate she could be a really important get. Looks like she kicks pretty straight as well. Like, even though she's getting close to the goals each time, she's still kicking, like, aiming straight through, getting six goals in one game back uh, in early season six when they played against Carlton. So seems like she's got, yeah, great aim, huge scoring potential, and if she can do that with a couple of other things as well, could be really great on the fantasy scoreboard. I have to say, it was definitely having Tara Bahana in our team as last season that really kicked us up into getting into hat territory. 
because I think in the first couple of rounds, it was, you know, both scores over above that 80, 90 mark really, really kickstarted our, our season. So if, if Fru can get anywhere close to that, that, that sounds like a very important player to have on your side. Question for you. You've got Bonnie Toogood, who is potentially the outlier in terms of fantasy relevant key forwards. Does anyone have any interest in starting her this season? Well, we've heard, thanks to Marnie Vinall, who is an excellent reporter at The Age. She was down at the Bombers and Melbourne scratch match, where we heard that Bonnie Toogood was floating across the half-back line. Now, that is is very intriguing. Mm. We were talking, we've spent like, you know, five minutes talking about intercept defenders. As it turns out, it may not be a defender who plays that role. It could be a key forward. That is very, very interesting from a scoring perspective because we do know it's much easier to score as a defender than it is as a forward just because you're used in more of that lead-up play, whereas there's a lot more effort put into defending in the forward line. If she's playing that, I could see her being top eight forwards if she's playing off that uh, off that half-back line. You can definitely see that a lot of those key defender posts of Alexander, Gamble and Marshall, all of them have the ability to play forward as well. They don't necessarily do it, but any of those could sort of sub in forward and and they could throw too good back at certain points in the game because her her marking is elite. I don't think there are many players that average more marks per game than her, uh, particularly amongst the forwards who, you know, the ball's not always up your end. So it's uh, certainly a tempting one if she is floating back there at some stage. And I think it's one of those ones where it's just that like slight change in role that could mean that she gets that bit of price upside. I don't think she's one I'm going to start with, but one I'm going to watch in the first three rounds of the season and could be an upgrade target kind of going into the back half of the year. If we can see that that ceiling that comes with those extra cheap possessions, if she's playing as an intercept defender are there. Yeah. If I was the Bombers coach, I think you have to go into the season on the understanding that you're going to be a competitive side, you've got to go on with an attacking mindset. The Bombers are going to want to keep that high-scoring play going. So I reckon she'll start up forward where she can do a lot of damage. But it is something that they might, if if things don't go their way early, they might they might have to throw her back there at some stage. Is there anyone you want to talk about in the, in the forwards? I reckon Daria Bannister is going to start on the field. I think Daria Bannister will, will be a, a starter for the Dons. I am keen to see Bannister up forward because she did kick a few goals for North Melbourne. I can't see the Bombers losing that. I think they're going to have a very dangerous looking forward line now that I look at it a little bit more closely. I think the problem I've got now is that I've done, you know, obviously a lot of research about the Dons coming into this episode and I'm obviously invested as a fan. The one thing that makes me a little worried was hearing Gabby Seymour talk about the fact that she played in an expansion side after having played at a VFLW level with Richmond. And they didn't win a game because they came in being like, as the most dominant team at a VFLW level, we should be able to swing it through here. And they got completely overawed, which makes me a little bit trepidatious about getting too hype about a side that I think is just like filled with talent. There's just like so much going for the Bombers. It is a concern because as good as it looks on paper, it is very rare that you have teams come in and really hit the ground running. I think North Melbourne is probably done it best of all the expansion sides but a lot of them have had to start very slow and kind of work their way up is there a risk here in the same way that we've seen like conti does quite well at richmond because she's a star 
amongst the rest or Swanson at West Coast or those kind of roles. Is there a risk here that you've got too many fantasy relevant players in a close area and therefore they kind of cannibalize off each other? That's that's not a bad question. I think it's very fair because we do see teams like Brisbane, for example, who you don't necessarily have well, I mean, Emily Bates is obviously a superstar. I, I can't believe I was going that sentence, but wow. I think Mel's point is is justified. Like I've got a lot of bombers that I'm interested in bringing in, but I know that I, when it come, push comes to shove, I'm not going to pick all of them for that reason. They will either cannibalize each other for scoring, or if they play a really tough matchup, you don't want to be over leveraged in one team. All it takes is playing up against Melbourne in the wet, they're going to get dominated and it's not going to be good for scoring. If you've got too many in one team, that's a big problem. Are you going to make a team of just Bombers players? I wasn't planning on it, but yeah, sure. If I want to lose, fine. That was a little side team. Yeah, look, if you had to pick a team that was just all one team. It's the Dons. It's, it's the probably Dons, the Dons, right? yeah. You'd make the most money. It'd be great. I mean, I feel like you guys could confidently pick both of your teams, but I'm just watching the Frio uh, match against Richmond and it's uh, not, not a team I would fully pick. Are they getting smashed? Uh, it's 0 to 31. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I do know that the, the Frio team had a few players out. They're, they're, they're relying on a few top-ups, but, I mean, it's if Richmond's playing well, it sounds like they've got their players back from injury and they might be... Might be in for a big season. That's, hey, if, that's something I'm to keep an eye on in the preseason. <laughs> All right. I think I think we need to switch off the forwards now and talk about the last line left on the Essendon field, which is the Rucks. Liam, you've been waiting for this for 14 rounds. Can you jump into the Essendon Ruck lineup for us? Oh, let me just... I'm just going to take my time. I'm going to enjoy this. I've been waiting <laughs> so long to finally talk about my R1, and that is Georgia Borge. She's going to come in as a rookie price for Ruck. She averaged near 90 at a VFLW level for Carlton. She's an elite tap ruck. She is in my team. She should be in everyone's team. Actually, no, no one else have her, just me. I want to keep her just for me. Sorry, don't listen to me. But yeah, Georgia Borge, if you're going to go the rookie price ruck route, then she's alongside Fleur Davies, R1 and R2. Yeah, it does sound like opportunity and a half here. You don't, you don't get a lot of players that come in with as good a record at the VFLW level. There, there are questions, you know, it doesn't always translate up, but at the very least, she's going to come out and be a very good scorer. I would expect a minimum of 35 to 40, which is for someone at the price she's going to start at, it's it's very good value. When she got 106 in her VFLW game, she got 44 hit outs, which is outstanding. Um, I mean, yeah, she didn't, she didn't go back into the 40s any other game, but she had a lot of high 30 hit out games as well, which is just massive. Also, she's getting a decent number of possessions around the ground, kind of hitting up that 13 or 14 point, which was something that, say, for example, when we were talking about Lauren Bella at the Gold Coast Suns, the ability to be a high hit out ruck, but then also have uh, a game around the ground can really help to set a better basement for your scores. So that's why I'm super keen on Georgia Borge for this season. And I know we keep harping on about it in these episodes, but the fact that there's going to be more wet weather football means more contested, sorry, more contests and more potential for hitouts. I think she is one to watch, one to pick, get her in. An average of more than 30 hitouts is remarkable. And I want to bring up in the context of the AFLW, no team averages more than 30 hitouts. Team, not yeah. just player, but team. <laughs> there was a massive vote of confidence that, she got picked to the Bombers, even though she hadn't been in their VFLW program. She's come from Carlton. 
I think that might be a one small thing to note with Georgia Borge is she's not going to have the chemistry with the midfield that have come from the VFLW level, but I still think she's probably going to be a better version of Olivia Fuller, who I had last year, who came from the Geelong VFLW team and then played in the AFLW round one side. When you say that she doesn't have the chemistry necessarily, to me, that just sounds like more stoppages when she's tapping it down, you know, close, but not quite the throat of the player. And, and then they're going to get tackled and then we have another stoppage. Right. So you're, what you're hoping for is the kind of... I'm saying the lack of chemistry doesn't scare me <laughs> in the slightest. You yeah. do say that though, but when we were chatting with Tani White, she made a really interesting point, which is you can't be too attacking as a midfield if you don't know where the tap is going to go. So you really need to know and have the ability to put it to where your midfielders are going to be. And from that, your running patterns through clearances are going to be driven by the ability to be able to predict where everything's going to go. So I get what you're saying. It's going to be a sloppier style of gameplay. But if if you don't have a good tap ruck or you have bad chemistry with your midfielders, it's not so much that the clearances are going to be, you know, there's going to be more stoppages. It's actually just that they're not going to be able to play as good a fantasy game because they're going to have to spend more time being on the back foot and defending and not kind of being attacking, getting the ball. Who do you think is going to be the starting ruck then? George Borg or their new draftee, Steph Wales? I'm pretty certain it's going to be Borg. But that being said, Steph Wales was also a ruck who had some uh, VFLW experience. She played for the Casey Demons last season. The Bombers love to pick players, particularly in free agency at the men's level, who have really good games against the Bombers. Her best game by a large margin last year was when she went up against the Bombers VFLW side. So I don't think that she'll necessarily be someone that you're going to start with. And I don't think she'll be the starting ruck for the Dons. But maybe if they have a two ruck set up, it might mean that I can't pick Borgie and I have to go with McGrath from Port Adelaide, who you're going to hear about soon. But yeah. I think, I think it's a good question. Important to kind of make sure that she is going to be the starting ruck, but I'm, I'm pretty sure on that one. I think it'll be interesting because I know Steph Wales uh, has a bit of a basketball background and only switched into AFL recently. So who knows what her progression is going to be like. Borge is definitely the, the more reliable pick. But, you know, Steph Wales has, she's still quite young. She's uh, actually got a twin at the Hawks, Lucy Wales. So both of them sort of coming in with a little bit lighter experience, but they're, they're both quite tall and they've got a lot of upside to them. So very interesting to see if this preseason, they kind of get enough going that they can jump into those teams. Just a question to wrap up with the expansion clubs then. If you can only pick one Bombers player, which I know that we've just said multiple times is going to be really tough, but if you could only pick one to bring into your fantasy side for round one, who would it be and why? I think we all know who it's going to be. It's going to be Borgie. Borgie, R1, round one. <laughs> the one that tempts me the most is actually Federica Fru because it's very hard to find consistent forwards in this game. Having someone at a rookie price who's got the talent that she does, I'm, I'm very excited to start her round one. I think I've got to go back to Barber. I think she looks very exciting and, you know, a little bit of consistency there for me. Yeah, you're not mentally scarred from last season's. My message from 5th of January 2022 is like, she's a lock for my team. I'm sticking with it. So just to peel back the curtain here, when we were doing uh, research for our team's round one in season six, Alana Barber was the first name that Mel planted her flag. It's like, this is my player. She's one to bring in. She's in my side. She's got great fantasy. This is my recommendation. 
This is my recommendation. I, mean, I will die on great. this hill. <laughs> Mel, Mel is super invested now. Like she's got the research bug. She's like, oh, she's got her teeth into it. And it was a flop. Excuse me. It, it might have just been one season too early. Maybe <laughs> yeah, season ahead seven of the curve. is her season. <laughs> but yes, I wholeheartedly agree with you that I think she's a great pick this year. As much as I'm, you know, all all of my rucks, I think a barber would probably be my, my second ranked player. There are a lot of rookies for us to be sinking our teeth into here. I'm very excited to see how they line up in the practice season. But this is going to be our overview of the SNM Bombers. Tomorrow, we're going to be jumping on to the Hawthorne Hawks, my team. I'm very excited for it. So keep an eye out for our best 21 on socials and for our episode tomorrow. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you want to follow us at FreeKickWPod. I'm on Twitter at Odds and Steven. I'm on Twitter at LMTom1. I'm on Insta as HiMelD. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you tomorrow.